Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sorry for the slight delay there. We were getting some funky errors over here, um, but we are ready to go. We are ready to talk SmackDown and AEW Rampage. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope everybody got every bargain they could have ever wanted today. Uh, Sean is at WrestleCade, which means we are joined once again by the delightful TK Trinidad. How are you? Hola, I am fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm very excited you could join us today. Um, how was your holiday? How was everything the past 48 hours? You were telling me right before you got on air that your shoe job like, yeah. is greatly affected by days like Black Friday. So. Yeah, I mean, I took advantage of Thanksgiving. I, I, I had macaroni and cheese and I, and I drank, I don't know, for some reason I felt like rum and coke, so I had Diet Coke and rum. And I made like 200 candles. So if you guys are interested in candles and body butters, hit me up. And there you go. Plug that. Stuff. Plug that all day. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining. We hope you had such a wonderful holiday. I got to spend my holiday yesterday, not only with my family, but my sister lives in New York. And her rooftop access has, um, it's like along the Macy's Day Parade route, which is so much fun. So that's what I was doing. I was watching the parade from up there. Very so wait, tired. Was it cold though? It was chilly, but not not as bad as I thought it was going to be, which was good because we had some little ones that were joining us up there. But it went by really fast. It was super delightful. So hope everybody in the chat, tell us what you did. Why not? Tell us about your holiday. But before you do that, go to FightfulSelect.com and subscribe for just $5 for the most accurate breaking news in all of wrestling. Leave a thumbs up on this video so people know where to find us. And guys, get your super chats in or get your humper chats in at humperchats.com. Works very similar to how the super chats that you know and love have been working. But Fightful gets to keep a little bit more of the pie and we had a lot of pie yesterday. So the more of it that we get to keep, the better. Uh, I think... Most of the time, people want us to smart start with AW Rampage, so we're gonna give the people what they want today. Um, I feel like we're in two different universes when we watch both of these shows back to back. So mm-hmm. it's very you said before we got on the stream that it feels like SmackDown is the young and the restless sometimes, 
And uh, Rampage is like wrestling goes on a field trip, in my opinion. So um, let's dive in with this opener. We had Wheeler Yuta and Orange Cassidy versus Colefish, which makes me think of the card game Go Fish, if you ever remember playing that when you were a kid, which was so fun. Um, but I, I love that they always start with wrestling right off the bat. Like, especially mm-hmm. at a one-hour show, I don't need... A 20 minute promo battle though when they do those apparently they're pretty great so like they did on dynamite this week but a one hour show especially and in general i like it when my wrestling shows start with wrestling and they often do that with really fun tag openers this was no different there were just some incredible sequences in here um i'll let you kick off your thoughts and then i'll circle back with what i liked about it but for a match that didn't really have any stakes until like Wednesday, like there was nothing really built up for this. I was really, really blown away by this. I thought this was so fun. I did. Orange Cassidy is like growing on me. Like for, for instance, like when he first was introduced into my world, I was like, okay, I don't get it. But now I kind of, I don't know. He's that dude, you know, I can't even explain. Like, you know, those movies, you have that one guy who just really just doesn't care. And you're like, oh, he's a douche. But then eventually you just start liking him. And then you're like, oh, I want to be in a relationship. Not like I want to be in a relationship, but in my movie persona, it's like, he doesn't care. I want to like be in, like, it's one of those things. I, I can't really explain it, but I am now slowly becoming a fan of Orange Cassidy. Just his, his, oh, obviously his ring, in-ring performance is amazing. But it's just kind of one of those things that his character is really growing on me. And I love when promotions allow, um, viewers to either like or hate because if you're lukewarm about somebody it's just like whatever but to like you know really start like investing in the person and slowly growing which i feel like they're they haven't been doing um for a long time but now i with certain people aew is allowing that to grow and i feel like orange cassidy is just you know he's in his own world like somebody backstage gets it it's like we might not like him now but eventually you guys are gonna like him we get it so um i'm a fan um, I think Adam Cole is really trying to kind of get his his footing. You know, he's the new guy in. Um, obviously, there's can't. I mean, it's going to be a great match. When you say certain names, you just already already know it's going to be a great match. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I just had to put that out there. Like the what Orange Cassidy is doing as far as character development is a really great job. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I agree with you. Comedy gimmicks don't work if the joke is that you're not good at this. So like his in-ring acumen being there is so important because otherwise it just falls flat. Like you're laughing at them instead of at what they are trying to make you laugh at. Right. Speaking of laughter, the the prevention of putting the hands in the pocket spots with Adam Cole, I thought was so much fun. Putting him in a full Nelson, not letting him get those hands down. Adam mm-hmm. Cole doing his own hands in the air type motions. Just very, very fun stuff. And just some incredible sequences in this match. Orange Cassidy had a double Hurricane Rana with his hands in his pockets at one point. Um, crossbody from Yuta on the outside was great. I don't think I've seen, I've probably seen it and just not recognized it, but there was a spot where Orange Cassidy had a German suplex and it went into a jackknife from Wheeler Yuta so quickly and cleanly. Just really, really excellent spots. Um, the Northern Lights bomb from Wheeler and the Avalanche Falcon arrow that finished the match on Wheeler all really, really great spots. I thought this match was great. And to your point about Orange Cassidy, 
there's a lot of people he could be kind of polarizing like a lot of old school guys i find don't like him because they feel like it's kind of one note and maybe he can't go anywhere but two really important things with that uh if if you grasp on to the fact that he's doing all of this to get in his opponent's heads that it's like a a mental tactic to try and get under the skin of their his opponents and right. just piss them off that makes a lot more sense he's not just this guy doing this for the sake of doing it there's a purpose to the actions he's taking which is all i ask right like right. just make it make sense in your own world and i always go back to look at where hugger bailey was and where heel bailey went like i think a lot of people thought that was cheesy and corny and wasn't really going to go anywhere i've said multiple times i think an orange casting heel turn would be so much fun i think apathy is such a fantastic device of um like what a dick that guy could be if he just didn't care he stopped caring about his best friends if he didn't really care about (laughs) what was going on in the ring like i i think that could be something that leans into a really effective heel turn that i don't think a lot of people will see coming but i'm loving this we did get a humper chat from my wednesday night co-host at the mark order podcast and uh a loyal fan of the show that asked would you say Rampage's opening tag match slapped or humped? Well, I said on Twitter that if we got a humper chat about it, I would say it humped, which is exactly how Ryan <laughs> sent in that chat. And you should go to humperchats.com because I refuse to say a match humped unless you send it a humper chat about it. It slumped, it slapped and humped. Kind of goes against the meaning of a slump, but I feel like it did both of those things. So just a really fun opener. And in general, just, I I really like that it's in-ring action to start. I also thought this was one of Jericho's better performances on commentary, a little Mm -hmm. bit less yelly, pointing out a lot of nuances (laughs) that I really, really liked. So just nice to have that framework. And I also really appreciated in this match, Taz pointing out that Orange Cassidy's hair is just never out of place, which as we all know, is extremely important. Very difficult. Very difficult. I can't even get my bangs to stay in place here. So, uh, but I'm very thankful for my bangs. Uh, big development for me this year, <laughs> getting the bangs. We do move into a segment with Tony Neese, who decided to do something other than be in the crowd at Dynamite and Rampage, which I was so glad to see. He's such a skilled performer. Um, and he gets on the mic and he basically says he wants a TNT title shot against Sammy Guevara, who appears just at the sound of his name. Um, I really like this. I think Tony Nese is a, a great pickup for them if that's the way that they're going. If it's going to be a tier deal and he's going to go work a bunch of other places, that could be great too. But uh, I think this match is going to be something that's great. They set it up here beautifully um, with a handshake agreeing that it was going to happen and then they moved on um to basically tony knees laying him out and saying the only reason you even have that title in the first place is that uh there weren't people like me available to take it (laughs) kind of alluding to all of the across the pond releases what do you think of this match um I'm, i'm looking forward to it i always like the fact that um it's kind of like I've, I always kind of think of like the writers. It's like they write this and you know you're expecting it next week. And I also kind of like want to present it to the people in the chat. Like, do you look forward to it? Like, you know, it's Wednesday. It's like, okay, next Wednesday. Now, now Friday's coming. Like, is it something you look forward to or you're like, okay, they announced it. Now I'm going to live my life. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that match. It's there. I kind of like want to know what the 
the give or take for that is. But then also too, it's just like, if you think about it in the real world, like somebody coming in from another promotion, just saying, it's because I wasn't here. This is why you had the belt, like the audacity of it. And I know I'm putting kind of like a girly spin on it, but just the audacity of like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't here. That's this, this is why, this is why this is happening. Therefore I am here now and I'm going to take your belt. Like just, who are you? Like, and, and I love, I love that kind of storyline when you put the spin on it. So I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to the match. I'm looking forward to everything that's going to come with that. Um, and I know we're going to get into it. I wish AEW would do stuff like this with the women's division. Yeah. Um, because you know, there are women there. Um, but you know, I do think yeah. that the TBS title might be more of that open challenge workhorse title. So I'm hoping that's what this eventually leads to. But we do have some super chats that uh, have come in. And to your point with Nice too, it just occurred to me as you were saying this, I like that he alluded to the history that he has because otherwise it's kind of like, it's, it's a nice juxtaposition of Sammy Guevara saying, you haven't done shit here. <laughs> like you, you haven't done anything. Like, how can you come in here with this arrogance? And he kind of right. alluded to to saying, you know, buddy, I've done stuff other places and you're lucky I haven't been here. So I really liked that. A happy Thanksgiving super chat from the Nerd Guru. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Nerd Guru. SmackDown was mad because they fired anyone that could challenge Roman and Rampage was mad because Brick got pinned. Yuck, I hated it. Well, we will definitely get into that shortly. Uh, Mac and Cheese is an elite Thanksgiving side. I couldn't agree more. Glad to see that they got the graphic. Good for Mac and Cheese. A great tag team. They are all elite. Absolutely loved it. We had some more chats that came in here as well. Um, mostly over the name of what they should be calling Fish and Cole. Uh, <laughs> we got one from the Nerd Guru that says, I vote we call them Bay of Fish. Well, that's pretty fair. I I think that is a, I don't know, Bay of Fish. Uh, I think we can do a little, some more work on that. I'm trying to think, because O'Reilly's coming in, right? So I feel like these are going to, to be, <laughs> be getting upended very soon. I'm, I'm assuming Kyle O'Reilly's coming over. Nothing's been announced, but the handwriting certainly looks on the wall. Um, Valbo says that baby fish do 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 baby fish do 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 do. No, yeah, yep, I'm no. all in for that. Um, I'm I'm game. I'm totally Co game fish. for that. I like that one. That's that's decent. That's I'll take decent. that. I'll take that. And then we also had Andrew seven one eight six saying about uh the the niece and Sammy situation. Tony niece two hundred five live rules. Yes. 205 Live, I'm going to say did rule, because if you've been watching the WWE product, you know that 205 Live has been completely upended, despite the Cruiserweight Classic being one of the coolest things they did. But now people can challenge for it, even if they're well over 205 pounds. So, But that era of, of Cruiserweight competition and, and everything that was done with that banner and that group, uh, including Tony Nese, was just absolutely, absolutely fantastic all around. Oh, there's, 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 this is, this is very important question. On your mac and cheese, I think Anika asked, should breadcrumbs go on top of your mac and cheese? You know, I'm not like 
the breadcrumb mac and cheese person. I'm not anti. Like, if it's there, I'm not mad about it. But I just like to, like, get into that that middle part. Like, I like a nice golden crust on the top, but I'm not, yes. not like, a, a breadcrumb Yes. Bread gal I would say um, being in, I don't know if it's anywhere else in the, in, I haven't experienced it anywhere else except for LA. And I know this is kind of off topic, but uh, truffle, truffle and Parmesan on top of the, the crust that, cause I'm a mac and cheese connoisseur. That oh. is, <laughs> that is, that is it right there. I'm sorry. We can continue. My bad. <laughs> you do not <laughs> have to be sorry, but we do have another chat coming in from Matt Rakeel. My personal bestie, who I will be seeing at Final Battle for ROH, don't make me cry. A Friday night with two awesome women, I call Colin Fish the undisputed elite. Was eating his fat-free pumpkin pie while watching Rampage. Have a great show, TK and the girl with the best things. Well, thank you, Matt. We appreciate that and enjoy that pumpkin pie. Let's move along to Britt Baker, DMD versus Rio. Now, I hate pinning champions i loathe it but there are certain situations where it makes sense i don't like this part of Britt baker's reign because it's been this very challenger of the month club and i feel like rio for a former champion is also falling into that category because there's just mm -hmm. this overarching story with thunder rosa right so they do set up something that Ring of Honor was calling Proving Ground Matches, which is something that I love because it's a justified loss to champions, which right. says that if you win this match, you get a title shot, which is fair because you know what? Sometimes champions have an off night. It makes sense. I don't love it here because usually if you have a Proving Ground match at ROH, shout out to ROH for making rankings make sense. Mm -hmm. And proving ground matches make sense in the same ecosystem. They were also had separate divisions. Like they were very good at using every element to logically tell stories. But proving ground matches were used if somebody was on a heater. You had all these wins that were getting built up. You had all of this momentum. So you earned your proving ground shot, which was to earn a title shot. Right. Um, this just feels like very out of nowhere. It's a story that they invented from the Battle Royal where... Um, <sighs> Riho didn't actually go over the the top rope. The match itself was fine. And I get why Britt had to lose, but there's just certain things with Riho other than the lack of her being on television that are a little tricky because of her size. And I'm not someone that needs like equal weight classes or anything like that, but it's the move set that you use in correlation with the size. I speak only for myself. You're mm -hmm. allowed to like whatever you want, but for me, Things like the bridge and a snapdragon suplex, those things all make sense to me. Even a crossbody, because even though she's like 90 pounds soaking wet, if you just have 90 pounds that are falling on you, that makes sense. That would hurt, right? But when she does things like throw punches, it, I, I just have a hard That's time it. believing it when the disparity is that big. Like when you see a smaller guy like a Brian Danielson go up against Eddie Kingston, like Danielson leans into his submission styles and all of these different ways around things. So um, I, there was some part of those, these matches that just, it, it just made it hard for me to buy into because of that. Mostly the throwing the punches when you're throwing your 12 pounds of body weight up at someone, it just doesn't look like an effective maneuver. And I don't think there's an easy way for Brit to sell it. Other than that, 
this match was suitable. I just don't like, um, you know, the fact that Rio is a former champion and it feels so obvious that she's not going to win it and that that part it, it felt this lopsided didn't sit well with me where do you stand on this uh that's it that's the exact same thing it's one of those things where it's just kind of like okay there's there's more than two women on the roster um <laughs> you know i know the year is ending and i know you're kind of throwing things together but um we need a suitable we need a suitable person for Britt baker like we know that um for this particular championship, it's going to be the person who can hold it. Like if you think of it, if you think of the champions before Brit, it's kind of hard to think who, who they were. I mean, I know obviously Rio was one, Nala was one, but they didn't really have the, the gravitas that, that Brit has. So we know that she's retaining this. And the problem is that because we know that it's just kind of like, why, why are you wasting our time? And it's not, yeah, yeah. it's no, no shade to Rio. It's like, you should have a, she should have a match with somebody who is suitable for her to build up that storyline to build into, okay, this is possible. Like she, she might be able to strip Brit, Brit of the belt, but nobody sees that happening. Like nobody sees, you know, if that does happen, we'd all be shocked, but then I'd see like, okay, Rio has it. And then, you know, it'll be an immediate turnover within, you know, a week or a month back to Brit. Out of some type of you know shenanigans, so it's just kind of frustrating because it's like we have a full we have we have a almost full women's locker room that we can use, tell great stories, and I know there's only an hour to do so, but you know we with the the advent of social media and YouTube and a whole another show, like there's things that we could do, and I just feel like you know, is there only one writer in the back there? Like, let, let's, let's, that's what, that's what Sean needs to find out for us. Like how many writers <laughs> does AEW have and how many writers does WWE have? Because sometimes it just feels like it's one lone person and somebody who runs, you know, multiple businesses, it, it could be kind of overwhelming. So if that's the case, then I can understand, but if it's not, then you need to get your act together. Well, I think part of the trouble is that there is a title tournament going on for something else, right? Like that makes sense to me, but you can't it like you can have someone have a match on rampage make it a non-title match or my whole thing is we've seen the the challenger of the month club thing doesn't work because it's very obvious that, that they're heading toward thunder rosa and Britt baker right mm-hmm. like that's going to be the huge blow off but until then a good way to put some doubt in my mind would have been to and I, I'm not always into return shot stuff. I'm not always into rematches. I get rematched to death on, on SmackDown enough, right? But you could have done three matches or at least two with Ruby Soho and made one of them a non-title match. Like, mm-hmm. there there are ways to build longer feuds where you're not costing your champion wins, and but you're still at least planting seeds of doubt. Because I think Soho would have been a good one. I think Statlander, after the match that they had it all out, my goodness um Mm -hmm. so obvious to me that you could have just built better stories around these things and that way you have a longer burn of a program and it's not like okay who's brick gonna beat this month till thunder rosa comes along so i do understand that it's tricky but a we've now had people lose in the tournament like she does right there (laughs) yeah and that's the thing though a few going on with uh with serena deeb and everything and i am encouraged to see that there's other stories being built but like I, I, you have a tournament going on. 
people have lost in that tournament. So use them. Um, I know Swole has been back and forth with her health, but Diamante tears it up on, on Dark all the time. You signed Kira Hogan. Where the hell is Layla Hirsch? Like, my goodness. <sighs> so, and I, but there should be, to me, the disconnect is that Riho is a former champion and there just isn't like any acumen there that suggests that this was like a former champion champion versus the current champion thing. They did mention it on commentary, but it just doesn't feel like the prestige level is the same. We do have a Humper chat coming in from Chris Reigns that said, I was not a fan of Britt losing here. I don't think Britt not beating Riho is a storyline we needed to have continue. That is a really good point. So I don't like that storyline, but there is at least something logical to the fact that Britt had never beaten Riho before because the last time they faced each other, Riho was the champ, right? So there is something to lean into there of um, not only does Riho keep sneaking wins against Britt, but Britt can come back and say, I'm not the same competitor that I was then. I'm smarter. I've learned more. I, I have the title now. Like there is at least some juice that they could lean into. They haven't done it yet. I'm sure they'll do it going into the title shot or at least right. I hope. We also have a, a chat from CM that came in that said the next pay-per-view is three months away. They have to do something smaller in between the road to Rosa. I I get that, but these like these one-offs are just It has not, to make sense. It has to make sense. And you you just said it, you have three months. You can build out a two and a half month program. So <laughs> um, And the thing I, is too, I'm a I'm a fan of um like putting factions like we have enough you you just named a bunch of women who are in AEW dark and even you know we we don't quite necessarily know what's happening with with big swole as far as health wise but she does appear you know here and there so you know if she can't necessarily wrestle is she healthy enough to be you know to to talk because she is good on the, the the mic and then we have kira like we have all these women where it's like okay if you have an hour you know, you can you can create some type of faction, have some type of storyline. Like, there's just so many things that you can do. And I see a lot of people in chat saying, you know, the the match was great. We're not taking away the wrestling ability of Rio. It's just kind of like you want to. The reason we watch, in addition to great matches, is the storyline because then you want something to talk about. You know, you can talk about the great matches, but that storyline that leading up to, like, it's six months from now, we won't necessarily talk about that great match because. There's amazing matches out there that will overshadow those great matches. So um, it's just kind of having those that that the the reason behind it to make sense. Um, and you, you did mention something where it's just like maybe a couple months from now that will be the storyline that Brit has never defeated her. But again, you know where just where AEW looks like they're going, they still need somebody who's going to be able to hold their own. Um, Mike Wise to hold their own in the ring, all those things. And I don't necessarily know if Rio's, you know, that's what they're angling for. And so much of Joshi wrestling and, and Japanese women's wrestling is based on factions. Like that's how they build out so many stories in Japan. So I think that, uh, you know, if, if they wanted to lean into that, that's something that could be wildly beneficial. There are men's stables all over the place. We do have another chat that came in that said, hard disagree on the Riho match. I think the match had great chemistry. This win allows them to tell more of a story while they build for the next. I don't disagree with any of that. I actually thought the match was pretty good, except for those nitpicking spots that I called out. But I do think 
they have to find a way to make it not so obvious that while one story is going on in the background with Thunder Rosa, um, that it's like very obvious that everybody in between isn't going to win. So at least plant some seeds of doubt. I just, if you can tell a two year long story with Hangman and Kenny, you can tell one that runs a little bit longer and have like, you could set up something for, with someone for Brit that after Brit drops the title, they go and revisit. Like they do that in the men's Mm -hmm. division all the time. So Brit could have something with, let's just say Sheeta and it runs for the next two and a half months. Then they have Brit drop to Thunder Rosa and then they pick up with Sheeta after or whatever. Like they're really, really good at that in other spots of the company. So I would like to see them do that more with the women, in my opinion. Um, Trisha Dora is right there. I think that's from our moderator, Luis, who mentions that and is correct. Trisha Adora rules, as does Willow Nightingale. And we see them on Dark a few times. Great stuff. So, moving right along. They announce Andrade versus Cody in a street fight. Five versus Danielson. And I can't get over it. Five versus Danielson and Ass Boys versus Sting and Darby for Dynamite Lucha Brothers versus FTR. Two out of three falls for Rampage. So let me run that down again because it was a mouthful. Adrada versus Cody in the street fight. Five from the Dark Order versus Danielson and Ass Boys Gun Club versus Sting and Darby for Dynamite Lucha Brothers and FTR. Two out of three falls. That's coming up on Rampage. Uh, we move on to... The main event, Kingston versus Garcia. We do have a humper chat from J. Shell Nicole. He says, hi, guys. So happy to see your faces. Well, we always love hearing from you too, J. Shell. Love that Kate's fave, Eddie, was able to help my fave. She says her husband, Daniel Garcia, have the best match in his <laughs> AEW run so far. Man, Daniel Garcia, though too old for J. Shell, uh, is great. Uh, he he always looks like he's trying to win a match. But before we get into that, we do get this segment with that always sets up the main event with Mark Henry, right? We have a promo from Daniel Garcia and uh, 2.0, and then we also have Eddie Kingston basically laughing at him. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I love these. I really like this for Mark Henry. But I did just want to expand the conversation a little bit to... Do you feel like with both Mark Henry and the big show, and I don't know what they're doing backstage, but it just feels like they made a really big deal out of bringing them in and they're not utilizing them a ton. Like I find that they're just like Mark Henry wasn't a supernatural fit for a four man booth on regular commentary. Mm -hmm. um, And so they kind of allotted him to this. He very well could be training backstage, but they're not like doing a ton of press on anybody else's behalf. Like I, they're, they feel like, underutilized for all of the glory that they were kind of brought in with. What do you think of how they've been used in in AEW so far? Well, I think you can speak to this. Um, So here's the thing. Just because you're very knowledgeable on the topic doesn't mean that you're a good host slash commentator slash interviewer. Like it takes a very particular um, you know, type of person to, to get it. Like, you know, you see celebrities, you know, like, oh, I want to host. And some of them do a really great job because they're natural and some of them are really terrible. And not to say that Mark Henry is terrible, but maybe um, they just didn't see that natural fit 
or he just can't because sometimes you can just insert yourself like you know not to toot my own horn but maybe you brought somebody else on this show and it just didn't work out and you know that that just it just didn't play into that so i i think you know they brought him in because of the name but to be a host or a commentator or an interviewer that you know maybe he's still trying to find his his avenue and or they just brought him in because of the name and he's getting a paycheck and they're okay with it and he's okay with it like i would like a i would like a job like that like hey sure hell yeah for five minutes and you get you know x number of dollars you can take care of your family you can travel you can do whatever you want that's that's a good check to me so it really we just don't know exactly what the what he wants what they want from him and how that all matches up um so you know we'll see i do this is what I'm very wary of, and this is a, a long-term conversation, maybe a year from now or two years from now. The fact that you know we have a we have WWE clearing out their locker room, AEW picking up a lot of people, and yes, they they have money coming in, and yes, Tony Khan is you know has you know family with money and stuff like that. But there's gonna come a point in time where they're gonna need to let go some people, and that's that's my that that's my kind of fear. Um, you know, I I don't want them, to, I don't foresee them being like WWE where they're just letting go people randomly on a Thursday, but um, you know, we'll see. But um, yeah, we just, I mean, he seems like he's doing great. They're, they are underutilizing him, but we just don't know what the, the behind the scenes for everything is. Yeah, I was gonna say, they. I, I was just getting other people's thoughts on this because this occurred to me the other day. Like, I just thought I was going to be seeing more of them. I know Paul White is on Elevation. I was getting mm-hmm. Elevation and regular dark screwed up in my head and there's community outreach efforts and I'm sure they're they're I mean they are seasoned veterans as you get so I'm sure they're doing a lot to help the bigger guys backstage especially with their size like your Will Hobbs and stuff like that um and I'm I'm sure they have their very clear roles internally I just thought I would probably be seeing like a little bit more of them in a public facing way but just was curious to see what you thought about it this little segment going into the match I thought was fine I, you know, it's relatable that Eddie Kingston was mad that people were interrupting him when he just wanted to eat his damn cake. I get it. That would piss me off too. So I really, really liked this match. I'm the biggest Eddie Kingston mark in general, but I also, I have such an appreciation for Daniel Garcia with how great he is at this age and how much they were able to dive into each other's world for this match. Like, Eddie Kingston gets the reputation for being a talker and a hitter, but he can really go. Like, he really, mm-hmm. really can wrestle. And Daniel Garcia is so technically proficient, but really muscled up a lot of points in this match. Eddie working the knee and selling the knee, I think it was such a smart way to make a very young guy look like a very viable competitor. Not just that he was capable of inflicting pain on such a badass like Eddie Kingston, but it also let Daniel Garcia get a ton of offense in and justifiably so because Eddie Kingston was hurt. Just a really, really strong match here. I thought this was really fun. I thought this was one of the few episodes that the main event actually felt like the main event rather than Mm -hmm. just um, like usually the main event is what's going on first because they're trying to draw people in. But this felt like a main event. Uh, What were your thoughts on, on the match overall? And how do you feel about the way that Daniel Garcia is being brought along here in AEW? I mean, I like, I like, I mean, I agree with you as far as Eddie Kingston. It's one of those, I, he's also growing on me. It's one of those guys where um, I want to 
be at a dinner with him, but I don't want him to know that I'm there. I just kind of want to just see how, like, I just have, because he's very, like, New York monchismo type thing. Like, I, I love the conversation. I know a lot of people like that. And it's just kind of like, I just, he's very entertaining um, all in, in as far as um, on the mic and in the ring. So I, I do like the way, and this is the frustrating part. It's kind of like, you know that AEW and other promotions are capable of really putting putting a storyline together and executing it. And, you know, you see where it's going. Of course, you're not, you know, the really great ones, the really great stories is not what you expect, but, you know, you see them putting some effort and, you know, of course being, you know, part of women's wrestling talk, like I love women's wrestling. I, you know, and it's just like, okay, you guys are doing this with the guys. So why can't you do this with the women? Um, yeah. But I digress on that. But yeah, I, I do love how they're how they're growing it. I do love how, um, you know, it's kind of like a love hate relationship with Eddie. It's not necessarily lukewarm. It's just kind of like you, you every week is is, is kind of different. Like some days you're some weeks are for him, some weeks are not. And I really like that. I like, I like it's it takes a very special individual to actually be able to do that. Not a lot of wrestlers can do that. So kudos to him. Um, and I'm for I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what's going to kind of progress with this. Yeah, I thought for sure we were headed for an Eddie Kingston, John Moxley hard heel turn facing maybe a tag team, but just maybe a one-off tag team match with CM Punk and Danielson. I thought that's where that might have gone. Obviously, plans change, but I'm kind of glad they did because I don't know if turning Eddie heel is something like true heel is going to be something that's really accomplishable. Everybody really, really loves this guy, and that mm. makes me really happy as an Eddie Kingston mark. We do have a couple super chats about this match, Feel free to get those in, guys. We're coming down the home stretch here of Rampage, and we will flip into SmackDown shortly. But uh, Andrew7186 saying, I love this episode of Rampage. Daniel Garcia is a star. Couldn't agree with you more. That guy has a very, very bright future ahead of him. Uh, SmackDown show how few stars that they have, and it wasn't even AEW's A-team, and the show ruled. I heard someone say, and I agree, that there's definitely a, a top of the card with AEW, but it doesn't feel there's like a mid-card step down. Like it's basically just who they're turning the gas up on for title pictures, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a reflection of the talent, which that's something that I really appreciate. And we also had Brett Lockman chiming in saying that Eddie Kingston sounds like he's angry with his own body for feeling pain. Very, very well said, <laughs> which feels about right. Yeah, like he... Yeah, he, he's like more angry at his physical self for feeling pain than he is at his opponent for inflicting that pain. And that feels like weirdly more personal somehow. I agree <laughs> with you. I love the way he saw, I love the way he does everything. I'm just the biggest Eddie Kingston mark. But um, yeah, this this match was great. And I, I feel like Rampage is a really great place to take people that are as seasoned as Eddie and put them with, with younger dudes. Not that Daniel Garcia doesn't already look like a star, but it, they're really good at keeping that balance. We also mm -hmm. had the nerd guru chiming back in about the Britt Baker versus Riho match saying, I'm more interested in Britt just being put in matches with new additions in a few months, like Nixon Newell and Athena. I would buy them more than Riho. I, I get what you're saying, but to me, the issue is not with Riho at all. It's the way that the stories are unfolding. I think if you do bring in Athena, formerly Ember Moon, um, and people with that kind of acumen, like if you're still hot shotting things like this, it's not going to be 
that good. Like it'll it'll feel important because it'll be a new arrival and it's somebody that you're familiar with in another company and whatever. But like you have to to build things out with more intent and care because right now it's just it feels like we're in a holding pattern, just waiting for Thunder Rosa. So right. at least plant those seeds of doubt. At least build feuds over the course of multiple multiple weeks. They kind of did it with Ty Conti. It was built through like a lot of the you know tag matches and and six woman matches and things like that but there was at least like an effort to tell some stories other than that it's been just like a, a lot of hot shotting things in a couple weeks and not in the way that cm punk and eddie kingston hot shotted something that was like hot shotted but with 16 years of history that they brought with them into it right. and was something that people had been clamoring for so I, I get what you're saying, like that everyone's bought in on Riho, but to me it has way less to do with her. And again, I'd, I'll reiterate, I thought the match was actually pretty good tonight. What I don't think is good is the way that they're building out this piece of Britt Baker's reign. I feel like when you have someone that carries as much juice as Britt does, what you're doing is wasting her ability to to do that by by just like, oh, we turned the gas up for two weeks and we turned it back off on different people. So um but I, I, you're certainly entitled to your opinion, and right. I understand what you're saying about Riho. But I think even if you bring in those new signees, you're still going to run into the same issue if you're you're building out stories that way. Right. And the storyline with that could have just been Brick could have refused, and then you know Rio could have had a faction, and they made it work, and then then you're building it out for like three four weeks, versus okay, I'm here, I pinned you. Let's like I mean like. It, like I definitely agree. The the match was great. It's just kind of like how they presented it, and it's just like okay, well, this is you know we're revisiting this, which is you know fine. But you can, the both both promotions do this week in and week out, so we all yeah. know there's time. Um, so why not tell a little bit more of a story? And then while they're kind of feuding, and 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 Britt says no, I don't want to have a match, a la you know like Charlotte or something like that. Then you know, you have another women's match that, you know, they're, they're kind of, now you're seeing a buildup of, okay, if Rio doesn't make it, then these are the other possibility, the other possible contenders. Like there's just so many other um, ways, um, just story. Like you just want to sink your, just like how you sunk your teeth into the turkey, the pie, all that <laughs> stuff. You want to sink your teeth into like the storyline. Like you want to like, oh, this is amazing. I look forward to this versus that was a great match. What's yeah. next? And you have Britt, who's great on the mic. Like, I don't know. Darby Allen and MJF, I knew it was going to be a really good match. And it was great. And it surprised the hell out of me. They did a bunch of in-ring. Like, they did very little in-ring and a bunch of promos and Darby's cool, weird video vignettes going into that, right? Like, there's ways to build things up over the course mm -hmm. of a couple weeks that don't involve your champion losing. But like you said, we had pie. We had... All these delicious things to sink our teeth into. It's officially the holiday season. You don't know what to get your partner. You don't know if they want jewelry. You don't know if they want clothes. But you know what they do want if you're a fella out there? We do know that they want you to be able to get it up. That's right. And you can ensure that that's going to happen with Blue Chew. Sean Rossap is here to tell you all about it. It's the blue brand, and you know what that means. BlueChew.com. If you're looking to do it in front of a crowd, you don't want that performance anxiety when you're going to go have sex. BlueChew.com. 
brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But you know what? It gets rid of all the awkward talks and conversations besides this one. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. You work with their licensed medical providers. They find the right active ingredient for you, and it ships straight to your door. And when you get the package, it's not going to say, Sup, wiener pills. It comes in a discreet package, so your package no longer is discreet. It's not just for people with ED or problems. It's about that confidence. You want to perform at your peak. And how about this? Maybe, maybe you're starting to travel more. Maybe you're on the road more. You're spending more money. Not with your first shipment of Blue Chew. You get it free when you use the code FIGHTFUL. Just pay $5 shipping. That's how we keep the mailman hush-hush. $5 shipping is all it takes to get your first shipment and get that confidence. Maybe it's been a while after the pandemic and you're looking to get back out there. Get back out there with BlueChew.com. Code FIGHTFUL. Forgot to hit the stop button, so here we are. Bluechew.com, code Fightful. Wow. I'm kind of uncomfortable. I'm kind of uncomfortable a little bit. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I don't, I don't, I, I have questions, but okay. Look, there's a lot. <laughs> we're just, we're here, we're shilling out. We're two ladies shilling out <laughs> dick pills for all of you wonderful people. Uh, there it is. You know, when you need to have a boner is when you're humping, like you're sending in humper chats. You don't need a boner to send in humper chats. You can just go to humperchats.com. <laughs> get those in right now you can get in your super chats but speaking of things that humped we did get another super chat from ricardo el idolo who says hi ladies hope you had a great holiday thank you ricardo we did watching garcia stretch out kingston humped you're right and you didn't even need a bluetooth to say that uh let's flip into smackdown not my favorite episode overall <laughs> last time you and i did this I was encouraged because I felt like we were getting back to fundamentals, like clean, clean wins and losses and like very basic storytelling. I don't know, man. I didn't feel like, even though we had some clean wins and losses today, there just wasn't like a lot for me to sink my teeth into. What did you think overall of SmackDown today before we get into the individual segments? Um, I feel like, it's one of those situations like, okay, here's the perfect scenario. You know, you're at school, right? And you know, Christmas is going to come, you know, vacation's coming and you really don't care about the next two, three weeks of school. <laughs> the teacher doesn't care. You don't care. The assignments are blah. Like you're just showing up. That's what SmackDown knows today. 
it's like they're just showing up because they're already planning for hopefully you know they're already planning for wrestlemania they're already planning for you know pay-per-view they're already paying for january 1st they're already kind of looking towards that and we're just in this i think we all are in like after thanksgiving you know being in america for this long it's like after thanksgiving everybody's just like okay christmas hit me like just zombies until then um that's what smackdown felt like if that's the case i would love to know what the excuse for the rest of the year has been because it definitely hasn't <laughs> felt like it's been just thanksgiving man but not a great episode in my opinion there were a lot of things that didn't make sense and one of my favorite things that has been going on this year in wrestling has been Caleb Braxton's relationship with Paul Heyman. It cracks me up. He's this weird little troll who hates her for doing her job, basically. And uh, this segment, while I appreciate him just, like, appearing over her shoulder like a weirdo, what I did not understand was... Uh, he basically says that she's an investigative journalist. So we open essentially with her saying that there are rumors, which is a great album by Fleetwood Mac, by the way. So how dare they slander a wonderful album by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> but there are rumors that Brock Lesnar's, I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar's uh, indefinite suspension is, is, is up essentially, that it's going to be lifted. She's quickly interrupted by... Roman and his 25 minute entrance and uh, Paul Haven who comes out and says rumors don't mean anything. You don't know. There, there's no implications to what you said. We're going to get a battle Royal at the end, which made this make even less sense. But this opening segment I thought was fun because I like their relationship, but she's a backstage interviewer and not like an investigative journalist. So he like puts all this pressure on her to find out what the deal really is. And later we see that he insinuates that her job is on the line if she doesn't find out. And we also hear that he doesn't have Brock Lesnar's new phone number, which just made me laugh because his ringtone for him was like Brock Lesnar's theme and there was a lot of fun phone work. But now Brock has moved on. But I just didn't really like the three segments that they did about this because Kayla Braxton has never been an investigative journalist at any point. What, what did you think of this opening and this storyline that was weaving in and out? Um, I think because we do what we do, it was kind of funny. Um, meaning that like there is a difference between a host, investigative journalist, uh, interviewer. There's, there's different levels to different things. And I think sometimes when people see, okay, well, you're not doing the action. You're the one who's holding the mic. Therefore, you're all these you're all these titles, which is not the case. Whereas, you know, Paul Heyman's like, okay, well, you're holding the mic. So therefore, not only are you the host, you're the investigative journalist, you're all this other things, which is, you know, the hilarious part of it. And I, and I hope that a lot of people kind of get the, the difference between that. Um, I think it was last week, there was like somebody did a, a, a cartoon of Paul Heyman and, and Caleb Braxton. I do like it. I think it was a bit much this, this week. I feel like, so did you guys not have a lot of things to do or was there a writer's like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Let's do three segments. I don't know. Um, I like the bits and pieces of it. I think this week was a little bit on the, the overboard side. Um, and yeah, but it was meant to tell the storyline, which like you alluded to, we already kind of figured out like they could have did one less segment and it would have worked out. 
But you know, yeah, if she's just never been someone that was responsible for breaking news like ever on the show before, but. We do have some super chats about this. Brent Lockman chiming back in saying SmackDown or nap time before Rampage because <laughs> the old always wins. How, how how you both had an awesome turkey day. I think that was supposed to be Hope. Or I can't read. Wonder if I think, two. He, I think but it was supposed to be Hope. Yeah. I think so too. And I hope that you also had a wonderful turkey day. But yeah, there's a lot of people that I've, I've heard have been I've heard a lot of that, that people are checked out on SmackDown. Just skipping ahead uh, to Rampage, we have another super chat from the Nerd Guru saying, with all due respect to TK, because with this company, the only thing they focus on is unceremoniously firing <laughs> talented people. Pay-per-view is last on that list. Look, I mean, let's let's I mean, be budget cuts. Budget, budget cuts. cuts. But like, let's let's also <laughs> talk about the fact that going into this, it feels like forever ago already, but it's not. Like, they basically said they were going to give us the rock at a pay per view, and instead, we got an egg that we didn't see a lot of tonight. But like that, that's how detached this whole run of programming has felt. Like. They essentially said, we're going to promote The Rock's new movie. We're going to do a battle royal in his honor. All of these things, like The Rock, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock. He's going to be here. He's going to be here. Doesn't show up. And everybody comes out of Survivor Series talking about an egg. Yeah, Um, but that's what they do, though. Like, think about it. Like, The Rock, they, I mean, obviously, The Rock Rock is not going to commit to something that he, you know, that that was already discussed beforehand because he's just so busy. But... If them they're alluding to that, aren't you gonna be more apt to tune tune in live versus tune in the next day or just get the highlights? Because it's like, okay, well, The Rock might show up. So right, but if you go there, if you paid a ticket to go to the show, and in the live experience, you're also saying The Rock is gonna show up, and then the biggest star in the history of your company doesn't come out. Who that is a that is a heck of a a boy cried wolf situation, but getting ourselves back on track, Asian Joe always coming in with the best super chats and puns. It was certainly a choice to use that as the setup to close the show, but Hey, you can go your own way. Well done. Referencing <laughs> a fantastic album. Uh, yeah. I, I felt weird about this as, as the start of the show. I felt weird about it as a through line because that's just literally not Kayla Braxton's job, but Moving along, we do have a tag match between uh, McIntyre and Jeff Hardy versus Moss and Corbin. We were in Jeff Hardy's hometown tonight, so I assumed that they were going to lose because, of course. Um, But McIntyre and Hardy actually get the win here. I don't know if Jeff Hardy is injured or they're just trying to help his body along, but I will say... uh, this was entirely Drew McIntyre on offense until the end when Jeff Hardy came in and got the pin. His Claymore kicks of recent, they're always intimidating, but my goodness, I thought he was going to kick somebody's head off. And I also don't understand how a man of that size could just do a kip up so easily when I like struggle to get out of bed in the morning with all of my body and my arms helping me. Um, just, he looks great in the ring. I think of anybody the draft has helped him the most. Like he really needed a new set of challengers to move up the ranks mm-hmm. against what happens later in the show makes absolutely no sense to me with him. But as far as this match goes, 
It was a serviceable tag match. It made absolutely no sense why it was happening other than to maybe give Jeff Hardy a win in his hometown. But later in the show, we see Drew McIntyre. There were a couple segments where he wanted to know if he was going to be in this battle royal. And they kept saying, oh, we don't know. We'll get the the list of participants. Um, And he comes out at the end of the show anyway, even though he's not in this battle royal, and just inserts himself in. He does it by bringing a huge-ass sword to the ring. Mm-hmm. I would leave the ring as well. But my thinking was, why did they not just make that a stipulation in this match? If Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre were going to win, that they would then get to be in the Battle Royal. Why did we have this weird face-off with the authority figures and Drew having to insert himself anyway, only to leave by his own volition? But what were your thoughts on that? Like, it was this random match. We could have just made it a stipulation against any other two jobbers and not had them in the Battle Royal and kept Mad Cat Moss and uh, Corbin in there. This just didn't seem to really have any stakes, though the in-ring work was fine. Yeah, I, I think there is um, there's an end to the story and then they were trying to fill the rest of the lines in. And it's one of those things where... Um, I mean, like every empire, like Drew, for instance, Drew can't be on top forever. Um, and, but I feel like he should, he's, he's made for that. His stories for that, like one like story, I had to like pick him up for the airport um, for, I was on Xbox show, I had to pick him up for the airport and he barely fit in my car. He's just massive. And he's like, he, but like, he definitely needs to be a champion. I hope that's kind of where his trajectory is. Um, but yeah, this didn't make any type of sense. I, I am definitely Viet me I think I'm saying the word wrong. Vietnamese? Right or wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> against like throwing tag teams together. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you, you know, you have people who are true tag teams and it makes sense and you get it. And then you just kind of throw these tag teams together and it's just kind of like, you should tell certain people's like, look, you becoming a singles champion is not going to be in your future for the next two or three years. Let's lock down this tag team and let's go from there. Like the bar, for instance, like, you know, you now talk about the bar and you know, you know who they are. But when you put them together at the beginning, you're like, oh, I don't know. But they were together for a significant amount of time. So I feel like with these tag teams, like I, we know what the ultimate goal is. Like they knew what was going to happen at the end of the show. They're just trying to fill in the blanks. And that's the frustrating part sometimes with WWE. It's just kind of like, so what do you guys do during the week? Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. And to your point about throwing tag teams together, we're going to, in a little bit, talk about Boogs and Nakamura. Nakamura is your Intercontinental Champion and hasn't defended the title in two months. But we have a super chat from Satan's Little Helper. Mwah. What a wonderful handle. Saying, it said I wouldn't even pay $2 for a SmackDown. It said I wouldn't even pay $2 for a SmackDown ticket, I think is what that was supposed to say. Yeah. It's particularly sad when you feel so compelled not to pay $2 that you would spend $5 to tell us. So we really appreciate (laughs) that, that you would spend $5 just to tell people that you wouldn't even spend $2 on their tickets. You spent two and a half times the amount of money just to say that. We appreciate that because these super chats help us stay employed, for example, Uh, as do Humper Chats at HumperChat.com, guys. Head to HumperChats.com, send in your chats, leave a <laughs> thumbs up on this video, subscribe at Fightful Select, we're getting there, we're gonna make it through. Um, yeah, I I think 
at this point I was like, well, this was a perplexing decision. And then instead we move into Cesaro and Ridge. And I was like, oh, no, there's the most perplexing decision on the show. We have another debut where somebody loses. Uh, <laughs> I am very confused by this new obsession to have people lose um, in what was an otherwise great match. This does not surprise me that this was a great match. Cesaro is strong as hell. Ridge Holland also strong as hell and was mm -hmm. able to throw Cesaro around like a rag doll. We had Sheamus on commentary, which was fun because this felt kind of like a battle for Sheamus's heart in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> his former tag team guy versus this younger, sexier man who's trying to take him away. Very fun to have that. Sheamus, was, I thought, was pretty good on commentary as well. A, a great match, but I just don't understand why you're having someone give their in-ring debut and losing here. It makes no sense to me. He was in control for most of the match, but Cesaro sneaks out a win. And I think it was with a roll-up, which is just so upsetting because of all the things that both of these guys can do. <laughs> you take the cop out for a roll-up. My goodness, nobody knows how to counter this roll-up move. It's ridiculous. <laughs> a great match, a confusing booking decision, and a dumb ending, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, there should be a reality show for the writers, period. Um, you know, maybe two weeks after the show airs so we can just figure out what was in their mind uh, for these for these bookings. Um, okay, I mean, there's no... Yeah. <laughs> that, that part. What um, is going you know, on like, in just Let us know if you're just smoking some weed before you do these. Just, you know, just more like not complaining, just want to know. Um, it's one of those things where... Um, Let's let's be clear. A lot of these people who get signed to these major promotions, um, uh, except for maybe ten percent, everybody else are everybody else are great wrestlers. We know that they range from from great to amazing. Like there's there's nobody who really sucks. Yeah, I mean there's a couple people, but we know why they're there. Um, so you know, having a good match is is it's almost like why why are we? A good example is you know a father. Yeah. yeah, it's a given. A father who changes right. his kid's diaper, like, you shouldn't applaud him. He's the father. He should be doing that. Just like if you see a wrestler in the ring and they have a great match, it's that's it, supposed to be happening. Like, what else on top of that? That's why we watch this. That, that's why we pay, you know, for cable. That's all this all this other stuff. So it's kind of one of those things, like, it's, it's a given. I do... It was an entertaining storyline, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, even if you reference, like, Cesaro... And Sheamus, like they they've had okay storylines, but I think they've had better storylines when, as of late in the last maybe three to four years, when they were the bar. Like yeah, you know you know that that happened because of injuries, but now they're both okay. So you know is that something leading to it? Like what's the outcome of of these of this deal right now? Yeah, and I think it could go somewhere interesting. I just don't get why you have people losing in their debuts, especially when they're in control for the whole match. Like, mm -hmm. they could do something and, and lean into the fact that Cesaro is a veteran and just outsmarted him to get the win, but I just feel like there's better ways to tell stories that don't make guys that you're trying to establish on a roster look bad in their first match ever. But speaking of looking bad... Let's talk about Los Lotharios versus Boogs and Nakamura. Mm. Uh, Rick Boogs' <laughs> guitar got destroyed. I spent most of this match 
trolling our wonderful moderator Joel on Twitter because I think flying V guitars are stupid and uh, I I just wasn't enough into the story that it didn't seem like a more fun idea would be to troll Joel about uh, the minutia of guitar setups and, and wireless amps. So I spent most of this match doing this. Nakamura is your intercontinental champion and he hasn't defended the belt in two months. Why is he on a tag team in general with a guy that doesn't really even make any sense to him? Uh, this feud with Los Lotharios, you had Los Lotharios win and then you had them, you had Boogs and Nock win. And now again, we have Los Lotharios win here. Uh, Thanksgiving food being around the ring doesn't mean that you can book dumb stuff and it's entertaining. I'm sorry. Well, again, they're great in the ring. So what? We're getting 50-50 to death. You're making your Intercontinental Champion look stupid. There's not really reasons that this feud is continuing. There's not particularly visceral hate outside of Rick Boogs having his guitar played by... I think it was Angel Garza at one point. Might have been Carrillo. I don't know. Uh, and he goes, that was the only spot of the match that really stood out to me was he was playing the guitar and then Nakamura put him through the table whilst he was playing the guitar, which suddenly went quiet, which wouldn't really happen. Uh, I, I just, there's no meat on the bone here for me. And you are holding up not only your intercontinental champion, but you could be building feuds to make viable contenders move their way up the card to a champion who has been champion for like 450 days. Um, what is the point of mid-card titles if they're not going to get defended and they're not going to make viable competitors move further up the card? This just makes no sense to me. <clears throat> yeah. So a couple things. Um, I think it was like three years ago. I was the, uh, WWE was in Los Angeles, like right after Thanksgiving, or right before Thanksgiving, when they had the food around the table live. It's amazing watching on TV. Not so much. Um, I would just eat it if I wasn't in the match. How are you just <laughs> letting it sit there? If your partner's well, in the match, you don't want them to go through this table and you could just eat the food. That seems like a way better idea, right? I mean, Come yeah, on. that's, 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 that's possible. But you don't know how long the food has been there. There's just so many other, other factors with that. Um, <laughs> with the, with the title too, it just feels like, again, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things like, you know how you have like, you know, the, the really atypical people, they have these to-do lists. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I feel like with the writers, it's like, okay, the game plan is to tackle all these, we're gonna create all these amazing storylines. And then you kind of do two, and then you get to the rest and you realize you just don't have enough time. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna write this amazing assignment, but I don't have time. So I'm gonna give you like five lines. Like that's what it feels like. I don't know if that's like, if you get that analogy, but that's what happens to me um, on a daily basis. I've since, you know, I no longer do long list of to-do lists. I do like three things because that's pretty much <laughs> what I can get done for the day. And I realize it. It just feels like that's what happens with the game plan. It's like, okay, well, we have these championships and we have these storylines, but, you know, we're just going to have him be part of a tag team that doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's some of these tag teams just don't make sense at most all. Of them, like, most of them. Most of them. And... 
It's it's not like the icy title was invented yesterday. You know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> it's not like any of these things are new devices. I don't know why they're getting treated this way. It it, it makes absolutely no sense. But we do have a super chat from James Neff James Neffer coming in. Confirm that I said that right in the chat. I apologize if I did not, but he makes a good point here saying since NXT doesn't apparently exist on the main roster, he's guessing that the call-ups have to start from the ground up by being pinned on their debut and then build up from there. I get what you're saying there, but to me that says I'm not main roster worthy. And like, if your whole story here is that you're a worthy partner and that Cesaro was not, um, or that he's going to be better than Cesaro ever was, it just feels weird that they have him in control the entire match and then lose. I guess that's better than getting his ass squashed like Karrion Cross did, but I just feel like Cesaro is so established, he's so loved, and they never let him win, that like they let him win here in a time where a loss would actually be productive for someone else, like just was not for me this booking at all. But we do move on to another <laughs> another segment that wasn't great. Uh Brock Lesnar has a package as Adam Pierce kind of like has this weird flashback, our wonderful moderator who organizes all of our super chats also names these segments and just put this show sucks. LMAO. I agree. I agree with Louise on that. Not a ton here. I mean, this it's more that the storyline has gotten like four segments on the show, but if you have something to say about it, I'll, I'll let you chime in, but I'll, otherwise we could just move along to Charlotte and Tony storm. Cause yeah, it's, move on let's move on yeah i but i'm not like excited to move on to this either um you know i'm excited about the prospect of a charlotte tony storm feud uh you know i think tony storm did a great job of setting up the victory lap that she was going to take today last week where she said that you know basically becky is better than her the only thing that had any meat on the bone here was charlotte saying like i don't even really know who you are which i thought was great because she hasn't been utilized at all and mm -hmm. they don't really acknowledge NXT. So it is kind of like a, well, who the hell really are you? I'm a million time champion at this point. Um, but then Tony storm goes through the pie right after the leftovers match. <laughs> and uh, here you go for everybody who thinks I'm an AEW homer. I didn't like it when Nyla Rose and Britt Baker were having a feud about cheeseburgers. Guess what? I don't want Tony Storm and Charlotte to have a feud about pie either. I think it's <laughs> stupid. This was dumb. You have an incredibly skilled performer in Tony Storm. You have a champion with a ton of heat on her from both real life and kayfabe situations, who's one of the most established stars in the world. Uh, new-ish to SmackDown over the past six weeks, and this is what we're doing with her. Ken Shiro chiming in saying, is this what Tony time looks like? I certainly hope not. Uh, I, I just didn't, I didn't like this at all. It didn't really build anything for me. I don't feel like anybody got over through this segment in any way. It just seemed like a waste of time. Yeah. Um, I, I t Tony Storm made reference to it, I think, last week, talking about, or the week before, Charlotte not really helping the roster. I think she could have digged her heels more into that. I mean, I, like you mentioned it, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of people are talking stuff about Charlotte Flair and all the backstage stuff. I mean, where are these writers? Like, 
the, the, those, those times where, um, I, I make reference to like Ronda Rousey and I think it was, um, a Nikki where Ronda was talking about, you know, when Nikki was with John Cena, like all those little, like, you know, they call them the dozens in, in certain places where, where they're kind of going back and forth. There's so much stuff to talk about and i'm sure it's not i i mean i hope it's not in charge contract where there's like okay well you can't talk about this like there's so many things to talk about hey your dad left your dad was with wwe for this one now he's gone doing what you know it's just so many so many things like you know you're you're there's just so many things that they could have instead of doing this pie thing they could have just really just gone back and forth to the buildup because now you're building the story like Tony's like the younger she there, you know, not to put all blondes in the, in the same, but she's like the younger, blonder, ver better version of Charlotte <laughs> trying to be the better version of Charlotte. Like I am where I I'm aiming to be way better than you, nicer than you. And people in the locker room are actually going to like me period. And this is, and you know, just kind of go down the line of everything that people have been saying in the dirt sheets and just say, we don't need you like all these things. And now you can sink your story. Your, your, I'm like getting excited. Now you can sink your story your teeth into the storyline. And now you can build up to that beyond Becky. I mean, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to move on. So Charlotte can do her thing. And now we can buy into the story, but you know, they hearken back to, oh, it's two ladies and, you know, we can't do brown panty matches anymore, but let's throw them in some pie. Let's throw them in some pie. I'm with you. I don't understand why when you have someone that has had, like, ten title reigns or whatever or more that you don't also say, yeah, but how long did they last? Because that also means you lost, if you've had it ten times, that means you lost it nine times, right? So, like, with her, there's a very real-life criticism of the fact that they're, like, clearly just trying to get to her dad's number. So, mm -hmm. Why not lean into that? I'm with you. Uh, you could do better than pies. <laughs> we get another Zia Lee video package. I'm going to skip over that because we don't have any super chats about it, but I do think that they've been cool. But we move into a backstage segment with Sasha Banks and Sonia. Um, Sasha basically says, hey, you set me up on a team to be sabotaged, which is a very fair point. <laughs> all of this leads to setting a tag match between Sasha and Naomi versus Shayna Baszler and Natalia, drawing the parallels between how Naomi's been treated this whole time and how Sasha was treated at Survivor Series. And Shayna, who has been Sonya's kind of muscle, and Natalia for reasons, because she's a great worker. Uh, I thought this match was very good. I like Naomi winning. I liked Sonia being on commentary. I liked Sasha's work in this match a lot. There was a great spot where uh, she just went and planted a backstabber on Shayna while Naomi was around the ring recovering, like taking a second. And I was like, oh, that's such a great psychological move to, to buy her uh, teammates sometimes. She went and inflicted some pain on her opponent, right? Like little things like that. I love to mm -hmm. see. Uh, I need... Sonia to get her shit kicked in by Naomi very soon. This is getting so old for me. It was one of my favorite things, and now it's just being beaten into the ground. I am getting bored by this. What are your thoughts on this? Because I'm I'm ready to see Naomi punch Sonia in the face at this point. Okay, it's doing that for me, <laughs> which is great. This is the thing, though. So we're we're so um we're so fickle, and I agree with you. <laughs> I'm that type of person like, yes, uh, uh, 
Sonia should have been, you know, beat up. Like I, I think I tweeted Naomi's like, yo, just let me know. I can call Pookie and them from the block. Let's like, we'll, we'll, we'll take care <laughs> of it. But it's one of those things that we're talking about it and even like even thinking about it and like I and I'm sure you do too want to like beat Shayna up beat um, Sonya up for Naomi, which is a good thing. They're elicit they're eliciting emotion. So it's like they're doing like they're getting something right. It's no longer, you know, they usually sometimes go with the girl, you know, I'm no longer your best friend anymore. We hate each other. Now it's something like oh, you are now a supervisor and now you're treating me poorly for no reason at all. Like a lot of people can speak to this in any workplace beyond wrestling. So it's, yes, I, I, am, I am too getting over it. However, I don't mind it going a little bit longer as long as there's a payoff. Because another thing that WWE likes to do is like they build up a story and you're like, the next week, like the, the Naomi's off doing something or we don't see her, I hope they knock on wood, we don't see her for like 19 weeks or something like that. It's yeah. like they, they and, they and then they don't reference it at all. Like they, they love to do stuff like that. So it's just kind of like, I, I mean, I, I make reference to like Titus Worldwide. Like first it was there and now, well, we don't acknowledge it anymore. Like, so um, I hope that there's a payoff. I, I, I am too getting frustrated, but I like the, the, the buildup because I am the, so I'm the type of person that if I watch TV or I read a book and it gets too, like, it gets too, like, emotional, I'll read the back of the book. It's like, okay, they're still alive or they're dead. <laughs> or I'll fast forward to the movie, to the end of the movie. It's like, okay, these people are alive, these people are dead. So I like not knowing. Um, I like, I, I don't necessarily like the buildup, but I like the buildup, if that makes sense. Um, I just really hope that there's a payoff. Because if there's not a payoff, that's where the issue happens. Like, does, does Naomi finally, like, turn heel and her whole gimmick changes? Which I love the gimmick, but I think it's time. Or, you know, does, does, does Sonya finally start wrestling? Like, where, what's, the, what's the payoff? Is there a payoff? Can you give us a payoff? And like, what, what, like, please have the payoff be before WrestleMania. Like, I think that's not too much to ask. I um, hope it's by Royal Rumble because at this point we're already three pay-per-views in, but I'm going to pull right. this up even though it's not a super chat because I was going to bring this up anyway and I don't want you to think I'm stealing your ideas, Annika. Uh, think about it. Because of this feud, Naomi wasn't in Queen's Crown or Survivor Series. Um, I, it, Queen's Crown is one thing. That whole, that was a disaster anyway. Having her lose in two minutes wouldn't have been helpful regardless. But the fact that Survivor Series was sitting right there and the build was so lazy to it and the storyline was right there, it's like, that's like a perfect device for screwing someone over on the Survivor Series team. Like, you could have had everybody turn on Naomi and found out, you know, three heels and Naomi, something along those lines. There's so many other ways you could have gone about that, but it is robbing Naomi of other opportunities at this point that could have played into the story that they're telling, which would have helped extend it without uh, without it starting to feel like the well is getting dry a little bit. Right. But we have another super chat coming in from the nerd guru who said the heat running under the street has been reduced to embers. And I don't care if it's long-term. I don't trust them to have a satisfying payoff. We're running out of devices for Sonya to screw Naomi over with. Like the refs the bringing in Shayna, like it's, it's just getting a little bit tired. So guys, or even why can't she have a backstage segment talking to her husband? Like, Hey, what should I do? Like, I mean, there's so many, 
Like I'm a, I, and, and I mean, for you guys who don't like necessarily know me, I've been a big advocate and some people may or may not like this idea of Naomi being a part of the Samoan dynasty. Like I want that to happen. Like, like why isn't this happening? Can we, can we have this, this, it's, it's just, I know it's why it's right, not happening. It's, it's right there. If they were going to do it, they should have done it with Street Profits and Bianca sitting right there at the same time. Like the fact that they never jumped on that makes absolutely, absolutely no sense. But guys, we are coming down the home stretch. Get those super chats in. Get those humper chats in. Uh, put a thumbs up on this video if you'd be so kind so that people can find our content even easier. We got a very odd uh, recap of Raw. I don't know why. <laughs> I just wanted to call it the fact that they summarized an entire ass different show on here. And I also wanted to call it out because it was the only reference to the egg. And I just didn't want to go this whole week without talking about the egg because it's just the most ridiculous, wonderful, dumb, amazing, idiotic thing that they've ever done. But guys, not far off from the egg is Drew McIntyre and his sword. Uh, we're closing out this episode with the Black Friday Battle Royal because we having a Battle Royal on Sunday just wasn't battly royally enough. I don't know what the thought process was there that we needed to have a second one, but the winner of this gets the opportunity to face Roman Reigns. Um, Drew is pissed that he's not in <laughs> Excuse me. God bless you over there. Thank you. Drew uh, <laughs> is pissed he's not in it. So he comes to the ring with his big-ass sword, which is amazing. Uh, and he clears the ring with it, which, guess what? I would be running away, too, if someone came to the mm -hmm. ring with a sword. They should probably address the fact that he carries a weapon around constantly. Uh, <laughs> but he's real mad he's, he's not in this thing. I would be, too. When the people I beat earlier in the show are in this thing. And I'm not. When Madcap fucking Moss is in this match and Drew McIntyre is not, that is inherently real dumb. Um, I That was very odd. And then he's kind of in it. And then he just sort of leaves on his own volition. The match unfolds. We get down to the last few people. I'm sitting there thinking of a few things. <laughs> Brock Lesnar's either going to come out, which of course it's not. Because they didn't even bring The Rock out at Survivor Series after basically saying he's going to be there. Or Sami Zayn, who was through the middle ropes, is going to ruin Jeff Hardy's day because God forbid we have someone win in their hometown. I know it's not happening twice in the same damn episode, right? There's no way. <laughs> they have to book heat at least once. So that's what happens. Jeff Hardy is standing there proud as he won. Here's something I like about Jeff Hardy. He's a guy that does a lot of moves off the top rope, but he's smart and a veteran, so he didn't go to the top rope at a battle royal because that's the dumbest thing you can do at a battle royal. The object is to get thrown over it. Why are you doing 70% of the work for someone else? Mm -hmm. But I digress. Jeff Hardy's too smart for that. <laughs> does some cool shit otherwise. Uh, he's standing there on the top rope celebrating because he's won the match and surprise, surprise. Sami Zayn, who just wins Battle Royals as a character now, um, comes and knocks him out, and he wins. And they celebrate his big moment by announcing the conclusion of Caleb Braxton's journalistic <laughs> assignment that Brock Lesnar 
and his indefinite suspension that was lifted. Brock can come back at any point. I hated so much about what this chose to be. As they say on The Office, I hated the stuff with Drew. It made no sense. Why do you come with a weapon in your hand and then leave a match voluntarily? Why was Drew booked for it in the first place? Duh. Um, why do you have to constantly book heat in this way that you have your hometown person look like a loser or an idiot? And why are you capping off the episode celebrating the win by announcing something else. Is this going to be a triple threat with Brock and Sammy and Roman at some point? Like, what's what are we doing? What are we doing here, DK? Because I don't know, and I'm not confident that they know. I'm hoping you do. Um, so I think Sammy was just the in-between time. Like, think about, like, you, you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know before you move on to that next boyfriend or girlfriend there's that person that you kind of sort of date that's sammy um it's just kind of like he's the in between time i i don't this is i don't think this is gonna happen they might have a three-way but i highly doubt it um it was just kind of like the suspense because going into it you didn't think sammy was gonna win um, just kind of looking on Twitter, nobody, as far as I saw, nobody was picking Sammy to, to win this. And then even if you think about it visually, seeing Sammy Zayn and, and Roman is just like, not, I mean, this might be entertaining, but not necessarily for a pay-per-view. So, um, I, I don't think that when it comes down to it, Sammy's going to be in that spot. I think with Brock coming next week, something's there's going to be some shenanigans happening. It's going to be Brock and Roman and somebody else, or it might be just Brock and Roman. We'll, we'll see. But I don't see Sammy being in that spot because, hey, WWE can do whatever they want every week as we see them doing. Like, the rules don't necessarily matter. Like, how many yeah. times have Naomi won a match, but she didn't? technically win the match like wait what's oh, that how about a oh hypothetically let's just say a women's tag team won a contendership and then they fired the whole division uh just yeah. you know hypothetically let's say that hypothetically. i guess this is probably leading back to brock and roman at rumble and then maybe the rock comes out i don't know i don't sammy's buying us time in the meantime for the weird new year's day pay-per-view thing they're gonna do i don't know or he'll get his butt kicked and squashed on a random SmackDown or whatever. I guess he's just going around winning battle Royals, but this was just stupid to me and a disappointing way to close out the show. Not to mention, let's talk about how Cesaro is one of the best wrestlers in the world and Mad Cat Moss eliminated him. (laughs) And Ricochet was in the final four getting huge reactions and they, and then just casually got eliminated. Like just tossed over the rope, just rolled out. Like I, it's just beyond, me i just don't know what they're i don't know what they're trying to accomplish anymore i truly don't <laughs> james chiming in again saying that poor Sami Zayn is wwe's kenny from south park <laughs> i he mean he's doing it well fine. though <laughs> he's great i'm a i'm a big Sami Zayn mark i love that dude uh and it, it makes sense to have him come up the card he's he has been winning a lot like he's he's been seriously built some credibility on the roster but I, you know, there was just a lot in this battle royal that I didn't like. And so much of it comes from them just not playing within their own rules. It's it's kind of baffling. But mm-hmm. TK, 
that brings us to the end of this wonderful episode. Thank you so much for filling in. We do have a, another super chat sneaking in at the end here saying Roman and the Usos laughing at the whole thing summed it up perfectly. Yeah, because it wasn't like with them. It was kind of at them. I agree with you. So concludes the Black Friday Battle Royal. This episode of Black Friday Smackdown and AEW Rampage. Um, we have the Nerd Guru chiming in here too saying, really hoping El Generico is dusting off his booth. I think there's a <laughs> lot of people that wouldn't hate seeing him in AEW. Uh, guys, get your last Super Chats in right now. Right this very second. Or I'm going to sign off with TK. <laughs> The pressure, the pressure as they're doing that tk tell the people uh where they can find you uh you can find me everywhere as of uh black friday for you guys who kind of were at the beginning of the show i also have a skincare company so if you like massage candles for your lady or a man friend you can go to centerin.co to get all that buy one get 50 percent off uh if you love women's wrestling you can go to women's wrestling talk we have a lot of great content uh, content on there our latest inter interview was with mercedes martinez really great interview so you can go to www.talkpod.com and you can follow me on everything at tk trinidad if you google me every Everything will pop up because I just try to make it simple for everybody. So I'm there for your women's wrestling needs. I'm there for your body butter needs. Just hit me up. And you can find me at Kate on deck. I see on Twitter. You can find me every Tuesday, slowly losing my mind with Alex Pulaski <laughs> talking sour grabs after NXT. You can find me on Wednesdays at Mark order pod. We talk all things, all elite from the week. Um, and you can catch me here Fridays, normally with Sean Ross staff, but when, He's at Russell Cage schmoozing with people. I'm joined by the lovely TK Trinidad or another wonderful person filling in here every Friday night after AEW Rampage and SmackDown. I also have a couple of fun things coming up uh, as far as a fantasy booking show on Bodyslam.net that's going to be coming up soon. And a roundtable that'll be coming up at Sportskeeda. So stay posted for that. I will have times and days for those. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful weekend. We're so glad you had a safe and blessed holiday. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.